What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I am recording the intro from vacation. I am at the beach in southern Spain, and unfortunately, I have come down with a little bit of a cold while I'm here, so I was reluctant to actually record this intro because the past three days, my voice has been really something else, really just spectacular (laughs) in not the best way. Not cute, not cute at all. Um, But here we are. We're just going to go for it because I need to get shit done. (laughs) So um, yeah, I was pretty bummed, honestly, about getting sick on this vacation, even though we're here for like, I don't think we're going to be here for like five weeks total. So it's, yeah, it's not like it really like ruined the whole thing, Um, not even in the slightest, but I was just like, my first reaction was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm literally getting sick right now while I'm on vacation. Like, what is my luck? And then the more that I really thought about it, I was just kind of like, this is actually like probably the best time for me to actually get sick. Like, if I were to really think about my mantra, which like my mantra for life is always, everything is always working out for me. Like, I just love to, like, think that, say that, believe it, repeat it, you know, bring it in whenever I feel like things aren't working out for me and try to figure out a way of, like, how could I view this as if things were just working out for me? So I kind of reflected on that, and that's what brought me to the idea that, actually, you know what, this is probably the best time for me to be sick because I, if you know me... I feel like I anytime I get sick, I just like talk about this on Instagram because I'm like, my I need rest and I never allow myself to rest. So now my body's forcing me. Um, and this is kind of like an ongoing lesson, I guess, in my life that I'm being forced to learn is that if I don't slow down, you know, my body will find a way to force me to. Um, and lessons will keep showing up for you over and over and over again until you really learn them enough to change them and shift them. So let's hope that this is me learning my lesson and that I'm going to start to incorporate a little bit more of balance into my life and routine and not work myself so hard and kind of give myself rest and all the kind of things that I I offer advice so freely to everybody else about, but then it's so much harder for me to take it for myself when, you know, this is my business and my income and my life and I love absolutely love what I do so it's not even like it's not even it's not even hard for me to work um so it's easy for me to just like throw myself into those unhealthy patterns of like working so much um but let's hope that this lesson is the last time that I really have to learn it (laughs) no I'm not sounding too hopeful on that am I um but I'm excited for you guys to tune into this week's episode you're going to love it because this conversation is full of really really important information on female reproductive health so we chat all about hormone imbalances why cramping breakouts and breast tenderness around your period is actually like not normal. Um, And we also talk about PCOS, if you guys are familiar with that condition, how to manage it and cure it, um, how to know when you're ovulating, if you are ovulating, you know, maybe after so many years of taking birth control, you're not ovulating. That's something that I didn't even 
really think about. Um, we also talk about gut health, different symptoms and solutions, and so, so, so much more. So Annalise is the guest this week, and she's not only an expert in her field of holistic nutrition, but she's also, like I know her personally, and she's also one of the sweetest, most giving, and genuine people that I know. So I can't wait for you guys to learn from her, and let's just get right into it. Welcome to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Daly, entrepreneur, life coach, and your no BS bestie, here to bring you all things mindset, manifestation, and personal development. This podcast is designed to help you expand your mind and up-level your life. So turn the volume up and roll the windows down if you're coming along for the ride. Let's go Makeshift Happen. Hey guys, welcome back to the Makeshift Happen podcast. Today I'm joined by one of my good friends, Annalise. She is coming to us from Australia and she is a holistic nutritionist who is really passionate about women's reproductive health and healing the gut. So I know she's going to have so much knowledge to give us today about how to understand our bodies more and what's normal and what's not and all of that good stuff that we're probably wondering, or at least I know I am. So we'll, we're going to get into some topics about healing, hormonal acne, gut imbalances, reversing PCOS. And these are the things that really inspired Annalise on her own journey that she worked through herself um, to start her own practice and really help her clients all over the world through her knowledge and, and expertise. So welcome to the show, Annalise. We're so excited to have you. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. Can't wait to dive in. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm so glad that we can make this happen. So Annalise, uh, I actually met her a couple of years ago in Mykonos, Greece, yeah. mm-hmm. when we were on a yoga and meditation retreat. So it was kind of a sort of like divine meeting. I feel like everybody that was on that trip was just really meant to sort of connect at that time and in that space. And it was such an epic week of transformation and meditation and all of those good things. And I, we, we've remained friends, both you and I Mm. with so many of the people that were on that trip. So it was epic. It was so good. It was, yeah, it was like the yoga and the meditation, but then like the community that was like formed in that environment was just I didn't expect it. I I don't know if you did, but I was just like, this is epic. (laughs) It made everyone's experience so much better just by that community. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm. that's what I always tell my clients about anything that that they're looking into doing or whatever it may be, like a course that you want to do or a retreat that you want to go on. Mm. It's like all of the things that you're going to learn are amazing. But for me, in my experience, the biggest, the most transformational piece is that connection, that community, that, um, you know, group of like-minded people. Because when you get into the space of health, wellness, personal development, all the things that we're both so passionate about, a lot of times your immediate friend group or your partner or your parents, like they're not into that stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can feel kind of like, oh, who do I, I'm, I'm so excited about all these things that I'm learning, but who do I talk to about that? So being able to have that space created for us was 
such magic. And I know like we've kept up um, over the years and it's been, it's been so beautiful to see because both you and I since then have grown and evolved in our personal lives and our businesses so much. Mm -hmm. So it's been so cool to maintain that sort of virtual friendship since that one meeting. (laughs) Yeah. It's been awesome. I think we're both kind of at the prefaces of like starting our own businesses and like discovering where we wanted to go. Like I'd only just started practicing earlier that year. And I think this was back in 2018, I think. Mm -hmm, So yeah. So yeah, right at the very beginning of it all happening, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. That was like the beginning of my whole journey really Mm -hmm. in stepping into this space where I am now. And I think for you too, um, because you've obviously gone off on your own now. You've got your practice, your clients. You've just written an ebook. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, if you guys want to go and check out Annalise while we're chatting, you can find her on Instagram at Annalise.madrell. Madrell? Do you pronounce it Madrell or Madrell? <laughs> Madrell. Well, it's, it's meant Madrell. to be like, because I get it wrong. It's actually a really funny story. <laughs> like my dad is always correcting me. He's like, it's Madrell. Like it's two separate like words like mad and then drill. So madrill, but I don't mind, whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to do it properly in the Aussie accent. Yeah. Kind of give it. <laughs> You've nailed it. <laughs> okay. So you can find her at Annalise.madrill on Instagram and her website is goingbear.com. Yeah. And she's got all kinds of really great healthy recipes, nutrition information, all the holistic guidance and stuff that that you could that you could want. And her ebook is actually called A Guide to Reversing PCOS and Other Hormonal Imbalances, mm-hmm. which is what I want to really talk about is the information that you share in this book that is it's so full, like it's jam-packed, you guys. <laughs> I mean, ebooks, I think sometimes you know, maybe you've downloaded an ebook from somebody else and it it wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. Like this is not the case, I hope, for my ebooks, <laughs> but yeah. definitely for Annalise's ebook. It is huge and jam-packed mm-hmm. with so much information. And I know you worked so hard on it. You you spent so much time working and reworking mm-hmm. yeah. um, everything, everything yeah. that it's a labor of love. It is so yeah. So if you guys want to go grab that, that is on her website, but we're going to get into some of the topics that she really teaches on and talks about in there. One of the the major things, obviously, that's right in the title is PCOS. So if you've never heard of PCOS, it's polycystic ovary syndrome, and it's something that Annalise herself worked through and actually mm. reversed, which typically, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, if you go to perhaps some sort of like Western medicine doctor, they might tell you that it's non-reversible. It's something, yeah. it's chronic. It's something that you have to just mm. deal with and kind of manage your symptoms however you can, yeah. which in the holistic realm is, we know is not the case, right? Not because the case. there are ways, yeah. there are ways to really um, reverse that. So yeah. I read from you, obviously I'm not like <laughs> a wealth of knowledge on PCOS, but I read that one in five women- mm are affected by it. Yeah. And And 70% of those cases are undiagnosed, which is crazy. Yeah. It's baffling. It's, it's a real thing with PCOS because in Australia at least, and I think if this is reflected across, you know, on a global scale, there's this notion of misdiagnosis. Um, so missing people, having them slip through the cracks and like this notion of underdiagnosing those individuals. And then there's this 
this fear of overdiagnosing people and maybe perhaps getting it wrong. And um, PCS, PCOS is one of those things where um, there are so many signs that point to it and it can be so unclear for some individuals that, yeah, they might get missed. And so there's this huge percentage of people that aren't even sure of what's going on and, and don't have any clear answers or guidance. And that's why in the title as well I added that little tidbit of and other hormonal imbalances because you might not get that clinical diagnosis of PCOS but all PCOS is imbalanced hormones and that's really what needs to be addressed and looked at. So it's really looking at the broader perspective on that. Yeah, so hormonal imbalances are really quite common, especially mm. in women. But what are some of the symptoms, I guess, that you've seen in your patients or that you know to be true for someone who might think, you know, perhaps I have some sort of hormonal imbalance. Mm. I don't feel 100%. I'm groggy or tired all the time or mm. I've got acne or other skin conditions or things. What are the, the symptoms that might point to a hormonal imbalance or even directly to PCOS? Yeah. So when we look at hormone imbalances, we tend to look at our period first and foremost, and we look straight to the cycle and what's going on with the cycle. And firstly, we look at the length of a cycle and the regularity of a cycle. Like, is this coming monthly? Is this in a natural, normal rhythm for you? And so when we look at quote unquote normal cycle lengths, we really can extend that between 25 and 35 days. That's kind of the the date range or, or number of days that we give us. But we're really looking to optimize it to get to a cycle that sits between a 28 and a 30 day regular cycle. So that can be the, the first and the biggest telltale sign if there's hormone imbalance, if we're, we're seeing 40, 50, 60 day cycles or even 20 day cycles. Or non-existent um, cycles. Yep. Or just no cycle at all, which is a pretty big red flag if that's the case mm -hmm. for some women. Um, and then we look outside of that because sometimes we can have regular cycles, but we get really severe PMS, like really bad cramping, bloating, fluid retention, breast tenderness. Um, we get cyclical acne. So perhaps that's coming up during ovulation um, phase of the cycle or right before your period's due, or perhaps you have chronic cystic acne like I did, um, when we look at PCOS in particular, there are some standout features that make it quite unique. And one of those is hirtuism, which is excess hair growth. So predominantly on the face, on arms, lower back, abdomen. Um, and that's usually caused by a spike in testosterone, which is a unique feature to PCOS. Um, that is one of the more defining features along with um, the polycystic ovaries. So having many cysts or a better term is actually just many follicles active on the ovaries. Um, that's another defining feature. And then, of course, you know, these are all things that we can see and feel within the body. We can go deeper and look at blood work to see what are our hormones doing. And then that can be another indicator as well. Yeah. So I think one thing that I was really interested in learning about inside of your ebook was all of the different the different phases of the the female cycle the menstrual mm -hmm. cycle because i i had no idea <laughs> you know just, i think we're only ever taught like mm. oh get your period and it's you know between 4 to 7 days whatever that's the normal thing but 
all the rest of the stuff, it's like, well, when am I ovulating? I don't know what mm-hmm. that yeah. looks like or feels like. I, yeah. I guess it's just happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, we hope that it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. So I love, I really love learning about those four different phases because you can really start to see what the full cycle mm-hmm. looks like. Because I think I always thought cycle referred to the days where you're bleeding, right? Yeah. Like that's my cycle. But yeah. like the cycle is the whole process. Yeah. So could you explain to everybody what those four phases of the menstrual cycle are mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of what they look like and why it's important to understand what's happening in our, our bodies? Yeah, for sure. I think you've really acknowledged something that's super prevalent, that the language around the female reproductive hormonal menstrual system is just so ambiguous and one word means one thing for one concept like cycle meaning bleed cycle but it also means cycle as in the entire 30 you know day um process that's happening so it's kind of frustrating as women that we don't have any clarity on on what all this stuff actually means so i guess to break it down really simply There are two key phases that we see. And so we have the follicular phase of our cycle. And that's um, traditionally when we look at a 28-day cycle, that's days 1 to 14. And then we have the second phase, which is our luteal phase, which is, you know, 14 to 28 or 15 to 28. Now, I take it that step further and most other, you know, holistic healthcare practitioners do when we talk about the four phases. So within the follicular phase, the first one to seven days is the bleed cycle. And so that's mm. when we're having our period. That's when we're bleeding. The next um, phase that we see overlaps both the follicular phase and the luteal. And that's our ovulation window. And so depending on your cycle, that can be anywhere from four to seven days. And usually starts at around day 13, 12, and lasts until about day 17 or 18. Um, with that midpoint of ovulation, ideally being around that day 14, 15 mark. Um, And then, yeah, we go into the luteal phase and then we start again and then we have a new cycle. And so there's so many unique things that are happening between our bleed phase, our follicular phase, our ovulation phase and that luteal phase. And as women, we're really designed to live in this infradian rhythm where our hormones will Um, change every single day depending on where we're at in a cycle and this is you know in contrast to how men experience hormonal changes which is very much in that circadian rhythm that every single day Um, so they can be far more consistent on a day-to-day basis whereas our needs for energy how we exercise um, how we go about our day is hugely influenced by these four areas um, or four phases and so Primarily in that follicular phase, we're looking at building up um, that egg, that that follicle essentially to release an egg and the desired outcome of every cycle is to produce that egg and to have that opportunity for pregnancy and, you know, to allow for ovulation. So that's actually the marker of a healthy cycle, knowing that we're ovulating. And like you said, so many women are just so unclear on when they're ovulating, what it looks like to ovulating. When is this, you know, magical ovulation window that's happening that is actually so pivotal? And so, of course, you can do, like, if you are looking to conceive, practicing um, conscious conception or anything like that, you can use um, tests that help you identify. But if you're just curious and you want to 
lean into your body and understand your body, then we can monitor the discharge that we're seeing. And so I remember when I was younger, like experiencing discharge and being like, is this normal? Like, what is this? And being really confused because it was like not spoken about. And um, I've come to learn over many years that this is actually very healthy and a really great sign that that your hormones are actually working effectively and you've had this ovulation. So there are two main types of discharge that we see around our ovulation window. And the first is more of a creamy, um, a white discharge that we experience both prior to ovulation and um, shortly after ovulation. And then there's about a 24-hour window where we experience a white, translucent, almost egg-like you know, the egg whites, I suppose, consistency. And that's the day of ovulation. And so you can use that to see, has my body gone through this transition? Have I seen this discharge? And then for women that are trying to conceive, they can use that as an indication of, you know, now would be the right time um, to looking at, at conception. And like, this is my most fertile window in the cycle. Yeah. And I thought that was so, so interesting learning about that. Cause you know, growing up, it was the same. I was just like, what is this stuff? I don't even yeah. know what this is. Is this normal? Is this okay? Yeah, is this yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And then you, you start to understand that it's really telling you something. It's showing you what's happening in the body. And I love that the ovulation is that sort of like egg white look because mm. it, it just makes sense in your mind. You can always yes. remember it. Like yep. egg white means egg. Yes, <laughs> like totally. there's an egg. So we're good. Yeah, <laughs> we're good to go. Totally. Um, yeah. So I, I loved being able to understand that more because I, I just never had before. Mm. But one of the things that I would love for you to speak on as well is kind of something that you touched on earlier of this idea of you know, we get a lot of symptoms around our periods, a lot mm. of PMS symptoms that you mentioned, the breast tenderness, mm. the breakouts, um, bloating, fluid retention, all of that stuff. And that is something that I think most people, most women have just come to accept mm. as like, oh, you know, I I'd usually break out like the week before my period raising my hand because that's me a lot of times. <laughs> and I remember when you posted about the breast tenderness and you were mm. like, this isn't normal. Like this mm. doesn't have to happen. And I was like, no, <laughs> that happens to me. Yeah. And, and it never used to happen to me so strong when I was on the contraceptive mm -hmm, pill. Mm -hmm. But through your guidance, when you were kind of like helping me through these gut issues and stuff, I decided to get off of the pill. And that was really when yeah. luckily I didn't have any like crazy because there there is something that happens when you get off of the pill that's similar to PCOS that's called post birth control syndrome. Birth control something. syndrome. Yeah. Both okay, post yeah. birth control syndrome. Yeah, yeah. So luckily I didn't have like any crazy effects from coming off of the pill, but I definitely noticed more of an increase in that sort of little bit of breakouts the week before my mm -hmm. period, breast tenderness, these types of things. So I'd love for you to give your perspective on what is normal and what's not. And mm -hmm. out of all of these things that we've just accepted as women as something that we have to deal with and that comes with getting your period every month, how can we actually start to recognize maybe what's an indicator to us that it's not, everything's not actually in balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess, um, first and foremost, you know, your experience with coming off the pill and, and experiencing those symptoms is an, is an experience that so many women face. And that's 
you know, usually because when we're on oral contraceptive or like any type of contraception, we're not actually ovulating. We're not bleeding. We don't have a cycle. We've got these. Oh, so you're not even ovulating when you're on the pill? No. Yeah. Is that how it works? I'm yes. so- <laughs> Precisely. You don't want to make a baby. So they stop ovulation. We change the mucus in, in the vagina to prevent semen from reaching the egg. Um, we're changing all the hormones. So things aren't happening and, and we're kind of having false fake bleeds essentially. That's, that's all that's happening. So um, that makes so much sense. I hope yeah. I'm not the only person. You won't be. Like, um, is that what's going on when you take birth control? You're not ovulating, yes. which then makes sense of when you come off of the pill, why some things can be like messed up because you've totally. been blocking that natural mm-hmm. process for so long. So mm-hmm. perhaps you're, still not ovulating because your body is not caught up to, Mm -hmm. oh, like this, now we're back to normal life. Mm -hmm. Let's get it going again. Mm -hmm. It's like a bear going into hibernation and then like you, you eliminate or take away the pill. And it's like, someone's poking that bear, like, wake up, like you got to go now. Like hibernation's over. Like all of the hormones just go into this state of like, I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to cruise. Like everything's done for me. There's all these synthetic hormones flying around and you know, you kind of, your body gets a bit lazy. So then it has to relearn this whole process of having a cycle and all of the hormonal changes. And it's not just what's going on in like the ovaries. It's, it's what's going on in our thyroid and in like all of um, like the pineal gland and and things like that. There's all these communications that's, um, sorry, pituitary gland, all these communications that are happening that then signal this cascade of, of hormones taking place. And so it really is like awakening that system. And so there's a lot of confusion. Like our body doesn't know what to do. Like we'll get breakouts because we've got like a rush of testosterone perhaps or estrogen. Um, You know, we'll experience really heavy bleeds because our progesterone levels just aren't quite there yet. We haven't built up that level in the body. Um, And so that's where women can really come unstuck, especially when they're coming off the oral contraceptive pill. But to come back to your question in terms of PMS and what's quote unquote normal, um, I think the way that I try and communicate to people is that a lot of these things are common, but just because it's, it's experienced by a number of different women doesn't make any of them normal. And it doesn't mean that you can't change them or reduce the severity of it or eliminate them entirely. So the most common things that we see with hormone imbalance is cramping, fluid retention or bloating, and um, breast tenderness, and then those breakouts that you mentioned about as well. So um, I guess part of my work with women is educating on, like, there is another way. Like, you know, I remember I randomly out of the blue started experiencing breast tenderness late last year. And it really caught me off guard because I was like, hang on, I've never experienced this before. I've worked so hard to like get my hormones in check. Like I've got a regular cycle. I'm ovulating. Like why all of a sudden am I experiencing this? And I remember telling my mom and she was like, oh, I had them. Must have passed it on. Sorry. Like <laughs> um, good luck. You'll Just have that for the rest of your life. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, Welcome no, no. To the club. <laughs> yeah. And I rejected that immediately. I was like, thanks, but no thanks. Um, give me three months and I'll report back. And within three, I think three or four cycles, I managed to like get it to a point where maybe one or two days before it was happening. And when it started, it was for two weeks and it was awful. It was like, I'd ovulate and then I'd get breast tenderness and it would be like 
don't lean the wrong way, don't bump into someone, like gave me a lot of empathy for my clients that have experienced it. And I often think that sometimes I go through things just to have that like experience and to have that knowing and and also to then work, okay, how can I rectify this? And, you know, what all of these symptoms are telling us is that something's not right. And so if we tune into that, we can understand what that not right thing is. So in in the ebook, I break down like decoding our PMS because, you know, if you're experiencing breast tenderness and fluid retention, as an example, chances are you've got estrogen dominance um, or or excess estrogen. And those two things are actually different. And this is the languaging that I use, not, you know, all nutritionists or, or healthcare professionals will use this language, but this is how I view it. And so, you know, with a case of estrogen dominance, all we're simply saying is that at a point in which your estrogen should be um, at a certain level, it's actually acting as if it's at a higher level because what's meant to happen at this phase in the cycle, um, and this is the luteal phase right before we get our new bleed, um, our progesterone is meant to be more dominant than our estrogen. But the most common thing that I see in women is that progesterone is really low And therefore, that makes estrogen the more dominant hormone in that part of the cycle. Now, that's not to say that you have crazy amounts of estrogen. It's just that there's a disconnect between the ratios and there's an improper balance there. Now, the alternative would be that your progesterone levels are great, but you actually have way too much estrogen. And so you need to then rectify that picture as well. And the way that you go about treating that is um, somewhat similar, but there will be some difference in actually addressing the root cause, which is actually the progesterone, not the estrogen. So you can actually use these symptoms to guide your treatment plan and to, to guide your healing journey because they actually tell you what's going on in the body so that you can rectify it and reverse and move on and not have to experience them. Yeah. And so how do you tell it, it? Like, is it a blood test or what do you do to actually tell what one of your clients, what their hormone levels are? When do you test? Do you have to test in both of the phases or like, how does that really work for, for people that are curious about I'd love to know what my levels are at and mm. if they're normal, how does that, how do you go about that with your clients? Yeah. So I, first and foremost, I go off symptoms because I think the body, I, I remember hearing this quote, it's like the symptoms are like a symphony and like you're here to like listen to that, like eavesdrop on that, like tune into that, like they're singing out all of these notes of like what's going on. So the first place I always start is with looking at okay, what do the symptoms mean? And then I will go and kind of back that up with a blood test. And so depending on which phase of the cycle I'm looking at correcting or we think there's um, a disconnect in the hormone balance, I'll, I'll then go, okay, if, for example, we think that there's estrogen dominance or an excess estrogen in that second phase, in the luteal phase, I'll test on day 21 and I'll test progesterone and estrogen to see what they're doing, to see if they're in healthy ranges. And then we can allow that to guide um, the treatment plan because oftentimes, um, and I pick day 21 because that's when both of those hormones should be at their peak in their correct ratios. And so I'll often see that progesterone is way lower than it needs to be. And so then we can look to addressing that. But um, I also, it's funny that you asked this question because I'm also doing a 28-day hormone test at the moment on myself as a little bit of a trial mm. for, for you know, myself and for clients because 
you know, the way that we test, it's going to tell us different information. So a blood test is telling us what's in the blood, but, but bound by a carrier. A saliva test, which is what I'm doing through the 28-day profiling, tells us what's free and is actually um, unbound and is seeking out cells to act upon and to be an active hormone. And then another option is to do a, a urine test, which looks at, okay, how am I metabolizing my hormones? Like, what am I excreting? Like, where do I have too much of, you know, you know, one type of estrogen versus another type of estrogen? And you can start to understand um, the path that they've taken. So all three of those testing methods have importance and hold influence and all tell a different story. So that's why I think it's important to look at your symptoms, definitely go for a blood test. It's the most economical, most efficient way to get a really quick understanding of, I guess, also a snapshot in time. So it's never going to tell you a full picture. It's just going to tell you that moment. And then, you know, if, if the funds are there and you can do a, a more broad testing, like a 28 day profile test, you can see how your hormones are moving through your cycle and you can understand like, okay, what's going on at these core days that I need to address and look at. Would that be like the saliva test Mm -hmm. every day for 28 days? Not every day. Thank goodness. Because I did it. The first day is day three and it's like five mil of saliva. And I'm like, great. And I was there for like half an hour. I was like, bloody hell. Like it's hard to get five mil of saliva. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like day three, day five. And then it gets a bit random, um, you know, looking at particular days in ovulation as well. Um, but another thing worth mentioning is for women that aren't aware of this as well, you can actually track um, ovulation and, and progesterone levels through temperature checking. So your temperature should spike around ovulation and then kind of stay a little bit higher and then peter off towards the end of your full cycle. And so that's a really another like super easy and affordable way that you can just further tune into your body because I think if I could advocate for anything, it would for people be for people to really understand themselves and listen to their body and and respond to things and um yeah just create that relationship of knowing from what a symptom means and and how that's showing up in the body as well yeah it's so true our bodies are always talking to us they're always Mm -hmm. telling us what's wrong the body is so intelligent and when something is off Mm. there's going to be symptoms or signs of things that hurt or don't feel right Mm. and a lot of times we're just unfortunately told that like oh that's just you know part of it that's uh, even with things you know like uh gut health which is something that i know you're also really Mm -hmm. passionate about and the when I was really struggling with gut health, I was like, I got it. I got to message Annalise. It's like, this, is just, this is just too much for me. I can't handle this. So I was mm. like, I need to know what the heck is going on. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's like we'll we'll experience this bloating after eating or whatever. And I and we just assume that like, oh, you know, that's normal or I ate too much or mm-hmm. like dairy doesn't sit that well with me, but like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> That's me. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, yeah. So I think the, the body is always giving us clues of like, this is not, something's not right. Like help mm-hmm. me, help me. Mm-hmm. So it's our job then to really understand what those clues mean and how to really tune into them and start to adjust things for the betterment betterment of our health and also just our well-being because I know firsthand how much it really sucks to mm. 
you know, eat something and then unexpectedly have intense gas and pains mm. and, and all of these things. And maybe some women experience this with their period. You know, sometimes they get their period Maybe it's every single month and they have debilitating cramps or headaches. And it's like we we don't have to live like that, mm. even if that's what you've been told up until now. Like, oh, it's just part of being a woman. It's part <laughs> of the process. Like, got to move through it. Yeah, there's, some, there's things that we can do to start really reworking things and, and making ourselves feel better. Mm. So I'd love for you to touch on gut imbalance because mm. I think – it's so prevalent. Like mm -hmm. I feel like everybody and their mother has some sort of gut imbalance just yeah. because of the the way that we eat and live our lives and the stress levels that we have. Mm -hmm. There's so many factors that go into our gut health. It's really kind of hard for you to just have a, a perfect balanced gut if you've got no knowledge on you know what the nutrition needs to look like or a supplementation mm -hmm. or whatever to, to kind of get it to a really good place. Mm. So what is what are some of the signs of a gut imbalance? For me, it was that like bloating, gas, crampy kind of pains after I would mm. eat certain things. Is there anything else that might come up? Maybe yeah. skin issues, yeah. conditions? Totally. It's funny because I think when people look at their body, they're like, oh, you've got like your hormones and your reproductive system and that's over there. And then you've got your gut and that's over there and then you've got your lungs and that's over there and, and everything. And your skin and that's separate. <laughs> yeah, and everyone segments everything and it's like, well, no, like everything is interconnected. Like everything is feeding into one another. And so, um, yes, yeah, skin breakouts are huge, rashes like psoriasis or eczema, that's another big one that can be a huge indicator of gut stuff that's going on. Um, it can even feed back into our hormones and like, um, I mean, getting a bit technical, but there's an enzyme that's present in our gut that if it's like really high because of intestinal dysbiosis, that imbalance of good or bad bacteria, um, and perhaps there's a pathogen like a parasite or there's a yeast overgrowth, um, this enzyme can kind of become overactive and super abundant and what it actually does is it influences our liver detoxification and all of our hormones have to go through this liver detoxification process to be eliminated when we no longer need them or um, it's kind of just our body's natural processing of like you're not being utilized great you get excreted um, and so if there's too much of this enzyme it's pushing hormones back out into the bloodstream and saying out you go like you're not being excreted today and so that can then cause hormone imbalances or issues with hormones um you know it can be all the things that you've said gas bloating um cramping pain diarrhea or constipation um you know for some people it can be on quite the severe end of the spectrum where i've had clients that haven't had bowel movements for you know up to a week at a time and others that are just like constantly running to the bathroom and constantly irritated by every single thing that they put in their mouth and so they're the prominent things that we see from a gut perspective. And then, yes, it, it trickles out into I've had clients who have had heartburn and reflux as a consequence of stuff that's going on in the gut, brain fog, um, autoimmune conditions, um, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. Like it's endless. I, I believe that, you know, every disease state or health concern really stems from a gut perspective and if you're not looking at the gut you're doing yourself a, a huge disservice of, of really nailing down the root cause of what's going on 
Yeah, for sure. That's so true. Everything kind of begins in the gut. And something that I learned, I think from probably Dr. Mark Hyman, I don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with him, but he's sort of a holistic practitioner as well. And he does talk a lot about gut health too, Mm -hmm. is that there are, I don't remember the exact percentage, but there are a bunch of serotonin receptors in the gut. And this idea that like the gut is really your second brain. Mm -hmm. And so if you have gut imbalance, you can also have mental health struggles. Absolutely. So a lot of times people don't, like you said, we view every part of our body as separate. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you've got a skin issue. So let's put some cream on it. Yes. And it's like the skin issue may actually be coming from a gut issue mm-hmm. that has transformed into a hormone issue, which is mm-hmm. why you're getting acne or psoriasis or whatever. Mm. So I love that concept of the mm. gut being the second brain yeah. and that it really is so important that we're that we have a healthy gut and that we know what to do to really bring it into balance. Mm. So what are your sort of top recommendations for doing like a revamp on your gut health? If if someone listening has any of these symptoms that we've we've mentioned so far that may be an indicator of some sort of gut dysbiosis, you know, minimal or extreme, what are some of the things that we can start doing? I know obviously you're a nutritionist, so (laughs) nutrition is going to be huge. So I'd love to hear about some of the foods and things that we should be looking out for and stuff like that. Mm. And maybe even supplementation and and other things that we can start doing to, to really help our gut. Yeah. I guess it's funny because I, I did a stool test to understand what was going on in my gut. And it's something I do a lot with, with clients as well. And I just want to mention this because before I did my stool test, I was like, I'll probably come back with nothing. Like I, th- I thought I was like a-okay. I was like, I'm relatively asymptomatic. Like I don't really have any issues. Should be fine. And then I came back with like two pathogenic bacteria and a parasite and I was shook. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> what the heck is going on? And um, it made me realize that sometimes I'll talk to clients and they'll say, oh, I don't really experience any bloating or I don't really experience this or I don't experience that. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't mean that something's not wrong or there's not something worth investigating because if you have really struggled to lose weight all the time or like you touched on like struggle with anxiety or depression or, you know, immunity issues, like that could that could be your sign. Um, so I guess... The first thing I would suggest in terms of actually rectifying or understanding if something's going on is coming back to that notion of tuning in. And so an exercise that I get um, all my clients to do, whether that's in my membership one-on-one or in the ebook, is to do a food and symptom diary review. And oftentimes we're told to document what we eat and to track what we eat. And I'm like, that's great, but it's also useless unless we know how the food is making us feel. And I'm talking about, do you feel energized? Do you feel um, really lethargic after a meal? Do you feel bloated? Do you feel, you know, all of those usual suspects? Did you notice any breakouts? What was the mood like? Um, How was your sleep? All that sort of thing. And really documenting that whole process because once you allow yourself to reflect and to really take stock of what's going on, you can start to piece together the puzzle. And I know this was something that we did together, you know, last year and we looked through and I was like, oh, we can see that like every time you bloat, like there's this common denominator. And for most people, it'll be, you know, like chickpeas as an example, or for others, it could be wheat and for others, it could be dairy. And so you start to become aware of like, okay, nutritionally, what am I putting into my body that's causing it to flare up? And I had a client 
um, more recently who was so reactive to everything and I even felt a little bit nervous and I was like, oh, can I really identify the cause of this? (laughs) And sometimes it's just helpful to have somebody else's perspective because when you're close to something, like it becomes really unclear and, you know, a reaction can take 24 hours, three minutes, 72 hours. Like you might have something on Monday but not feel the effects until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like with this client in particular, we went and we did this exercise and we kind of went through and, and had a look and I was like, look, I really see like garlic and onion, like coming up a lot. Let's just start there. So we took, yes, those, yeah, garlic and onion, <laughs> dude, Big I'm culprits. convinced. I'm convinced I can eat something with, okay. If the onion is raw game over, yeah. if it's Mm-mm. cooked, like it's a little bit less, mm-hmm. but I can eat something with raw onion in it and immediately as I'm swallowing it, start to feel myself bloat. Mm. It's insane. Mm, it's insane. Like, And so we have two different immune responses to food that can cause um, intolerances or, I mean, I'll use allergies loosely, but I know people use it in that context. And so, you know, one of, one of the reactions is like, boom, like straight away, like the digestion process has started. Um, it can be a little bit confusing to be like, how is this possible? Like I've swallowed it and I'm already bloated, but it's just a release. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the breakdown and release of the chemicals. And, you know, if there's leaky gut and things going on in the gut, that just amplifies it and it sends proteins into the bloodstream. And, um, you know, it's just aggravating the gut and causing it to react essentially and respond. Um, but yeah, that they are, I find garlic and onion to be pretty significant culprits for for some people, especially when there is like a leaky gut going on, but then dairy, gluten, and sugar are the other three that I kind of have an eye on in the diet. Um, And then once you can kind of acknowledge what your trigger is, because it's going to be completely different to everyone, you can kind of start to work with that and start to eliminate things out and start to understand, um, you know, if I take this food out, like, how do I feel? Do I feel better or worse? And it becomes a bit of an experiment. And I always say to people, if they want to do this on their own, like, just do one thing at a time because otherwise you're not going to know what worked. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can kind of every other week like start to reduce something else out and see how you feel. Um, And that's kind of my approach from a nutritional perspective. There's other layers to it in that kind of gets a little bit complicated, but, you know, you might find that you can eat garlic and onion for two meals one day, one meal the next day. But if you had it for like every meal for three days straight, like by the third day you'd be screwed because it's, if you think about what a tolerance is, there's going to be a point of tolerance before it becomes intolerable. So what is that point for, for any individual? For, for you, it could be a mouthful. For someone else, it could be a couple of meals. Um, for another person, it could be two meals. And then all of a sudden, it's just too much. And then the body reacts. So that's the nutrition side of things. From a more supplemental perspective, once you kind of understand that, it is definitely useful to get a stool test because um, in the ones that I use in Australia, at least, they provide an insight into the supplements that are most effective. But even if you want to take yeah. a supplement into the food scene, you know, looking at things like garlic, if you're not triggered by that, that helps to clear out bacteria and pathogens, um, oregano, especially oregano oil, but being careful with how you dose with that. Um, thyme is another beautiful one that you can include, clove. Um, and then, you know, getting into some probiotics that can help counter it. Um, Saccharomyces boulardii or SB um, is another name for it, is a probiotic that's technically a yeast. 
And so if you have candida or a yeast infection, you can actually take a, a SB supplement and that helps to push the candida out of the system and then also restore the gut lining and um, improve gut integrity and start that healing process as well. So there are a few things in that realm and there are also things like marshmallow root and chamomile and peppermint tea. Like if you experience bloating, like peppermint tea can be so soothing on the gut and can be a great and easy thing to incorporate to to support it in the interim while you're working on a long-term solution. So there are so many different things that you can turn to that both, you know, help to soothe and heal and to help eradicate if there is dysbiosis going on. But I find that if you're not eliminating the trigger from the diet, doing anything else is going to be superfluous because it's yeah, just kind I was of gonna say, I was going to say, I think a lot of, like probiotics are really mm. popular. It's a thing. There's probably a lot of people that, that take them on a daily basis, but wouldn't you say that you kind of need the combination? You can't just mm. have one without the other. If you're continuing to eat those foods that are triggering to your gut or your skin or your hormones or whatever, mm. and then you're just like throwing some probiotics or some peppermint tea on top of it, <laughs> although it may, the peppermint tea might make you feel better in the moment, you're not mm. really like solving the whole mm. issue. So the, the nutrition component is really the kind of like the foundation. It's really important to understand what specifically is bothersome to you mm. um, individually. Yeah. Would you – so what is your perspective? I know when we did my sort of like weekly um, – my my review of like what I ate in a yeah. week, you came back to me and you were like, you're eating a lot of carbs, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which is so true. And actually, as I was reading the ebook and you you talk a lot about carbs and the different types of them and mm. why it's important to kind of like eliminate them in, in some cases. So like, I just want, because I think I've struggled a lot with like if I tell myself that I absolutely can't have anything at all, I'm going to like lose my mind. Like if I say I can't have sweets, then I will go a couple of days without having sweets and then I will eat an entire thing of ice cream like in mm -hmm. one sitting. Mm -hmm. So for anybody else that's kind of been sort of in that cycle of restrict, binge, yeah. whatever it may look like, how can we start to get a little bit more careful with these elements in our diet that are oftentimes such a trigger like carbohydrates, dairy, the the main sugars, the main triggers perhaps that normally tend to show up for people. Yeah. How can we start to like manage those but without having this mm -hmm. mindset of I can never have those? Yeah. No, I love that. It's something that I'm very mindful of when I'm working with people um, because I think we can almost go into that restrictive territory and I don't want that for anyone. I don't want that for myself. Um, so for me, I really try and view it in more of having a boundary um, and having an understanding of what does my body actually like and enjoy. And in the ebook, I definitely go into carbs a lot more because if you are diagnosed particularly with PCOS, then um, it is one of the bigger influences on hormone imbalances. But in no way do I demonize carbohydrates because, you know, your body might run really well on carbs, but it has to be the right carb in the, in the right volume, in, in the right balance with all of our other um, proteins and fats and things like that. So I think my first bit of advice there would be don't tell yourself that you can't have anything because, I mean, we both know from personal experience that never works. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you usually it's like if someone says, don't think about a purple elephant, the first thing you do is think about a purple elephant. Elephant. Exactly. So the same thing happens when you say, don't eat chocolate or don't eat bread. All of a sudden you're like, 
but it's all I want to eat. Bread. <laughs> yeah, bread, bread, bread. So my mindset is more like, well, how do I feel with that? And how can I have healthy boundaries? Like, can it be just like a weekend thing where I get to cook up, a, a you know, a warm breakfast with like eggs and bacon and toast and, and like really like lash out and that's like just I know that that's not going to upset my gut and I'm going to feel really good or, hey, will I just have gluten-free bread in the, the freezer just, you know, so that it's there if I ever do want it but I'm not telling myself to never eat it again. Um, like for me, like coming from personal experience, especially during ISO, like my partner and I would get a little bit carried away with having like a little bit of chocolate every night. And it started being like a couple of squares and then a couple more squares. And then like, before I knew it, we were having like a block of 70% lint dark chocolate together. And he kind of called it out. He was like, okay, I think this is getting away from us. Like it is a nice (laughs) treat that we look forward to, but can we put some parameters on this? And I was like, great idea. Let's make it a weekend thing. Like on a Friday and a Saturday, like we can get a block and like share it over those two nights. And I really thought after like being in a bit of a a routine of it that I would struggle to like not have chocolate every night after dinner. But I found like when it wasn't here and I knew that it was coming and I'm like, I had something to look forward to. I actually, my mindset kind of shifted and I was like, no, it's okay. Like I don't even feel like it. I could see how much of a habit that was. And I was in a routine of it that once I just said, oh, well, actually, I'm just going to have that on Friday. Like, it's kind of a joke now. I'm like, oh, chocolate night. Like, yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it becomes this thing. So, um, yeah, I guess that that's kind of like the boundaries perspective on it. But also it's about finding substitutes as well. So, you know, for some people that thrive on carbohydrates that might be doing a gut cleanse or need to look at their hormones, my strategy isn't like, well, too bad, like, you can't have any, I would kind of work with them and say, well, how can we, instead of having two pieces of toast at breakfast and like um, another sandwich at lunch and then like rice at dinner, like how can we vary this? Like how can we have maybe some sweet potato or some pumpkin or some beans, like foods that are actually going to give nutrients while still yielding a healthy carbohydrate content as well. Um, so just kind of expanding the horizons a little bit in terms of the options. And I know sometimes it can be challenging and we get into those lulls with foods, but it's just kind of sparking a bit more creativity and looking at other options with a higher um, nutrient profile. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, it does. Definitely. I think just after reading your ebook, I've been so much more diligent about thinking about, oh, like, you know, all three of my meals. <laughs> this day and the day before have had carbs in them. So how yeah. can I, not that I am afraid of carbs because mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I definitely went through that phase of cutting out carbs completely. I was like, no carbs, no sugar. I, I did that when I was mm. in my worst sort of body image phase of really trying yeah. to lose weight. And nothing really happened from doing mm-hmm. that. Like I, I didn't lose the weight and look hot and get mm. this sort of like, outcome that I was expecting. So that was really the teacher moment for me of like, it's not about any one sort of Mm. element of the food pyramid. It's just about creating more balance, like you said. So I do tend to lean more towards carb heavy meals. I just, I do, whether it's because sweet potatoes, I absolutely love. (laughs) So I'll put sweet potatoes in a salad or in like a pasta bowl or with rice or on the side of salmon or chicken or whatever. Like, so I've just been looking at, okay, instead of having carbs in all three of my meals throughout the day, how can I really like choose where I want to optimize it? And then 
just get creative with the other meals and have less of a carb element to them. Um, so that's something that I have definitely been working on because I am a person that tends yeah. to eat like carb heavy. Yeah. Um, and some people so- do. Like it's it's in our constitution. And I think if you're someone like me and like just looking at you, you kind of, I don't know, if, have you ever done like an Ayurvedic quiz to find out your Ayurvedic constitution? So it's funny that you say that because I actually just interviewed um, an Ayurvedic practitioner. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So she'll be on the podcast and I I do know my dosha. Are you you pitta? I am. Yeah. So you you can (laughs) tell. And so you probably do thrive more. You you need more carbohydrates. You have that burn, like that, that energy to go through it. Whereas I'm very kapha, like so kapha, Mm. like so, so, so kapha. And so I have a tendency to hold weight. I have a tendency to have a slower digestive system. It's, there's not that fire behind it. And, um, you know, I look at this from a human design perspective as well. And, you know, I'm a projector and, and in that as well, that can influence how I digest food and my energy and my requirements around food. And I think when we look at exclusion around foods, it has to be intentional. It like a lot of people, you know, talk about weight loss and I don't love talking about weight loss because I like to think of that as like a healthy byproduct for getting in alignment with your body. I don't think it should ever be a goal. um, And I don't think we should do, you know, make changes for that as an, like an end result. Well, Um, in my experience too, anytime that I've set the goal of weight loss, it's mm -hmm. never come through. Yeah. I've never actually lost the weight when I've set the intention and made the diet restrictions and Mm -hmm. done more activity or workouts. Mm -hmm. It never yielded the weight loss. What yielded the weight loss were other things like me slowing down, reducing my stress, practicing more yoga. So that's definitely 100% true for me is like having the goal of weight loss and doing things in that way with that focus has never really gotten me the result that I hoped it would. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really hard for people that maybe really want to lose weight or need to lose weight, depending on the health concerns that they may have. It's hard to not have that as your primary focus and goal. But I think, you know, working with someone who's like a holistic practitioner like you is such a good way to kind of go about that because you're going to get all these other things in alignment. You're going to get your gut in, you're going to get your gut balanced. You're going to look at your hormones. You're going to have a really comprehensive look at your diet and what is serving you and not. And by doing all of that, that will be a byproduct Mm. naturally without Mm -hmm. you having to focus on it or obsess over it. Totally. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's a relief as well when you come to that realization, like when you just say, okay, my goal is actually health and wellness Mm -hmm. and balance and, you know, ease and harmony in whatever way that looks like. And then it really is part of that surrender piece, I guess, where you kind of detach from that being the outcome and surrender to the process. And I know for me, I've always and with PCOS, it's it's so frustrating for women because they're told if you lose 5% of your body fat, like your symptoms are going to be so much better. And it's like, yes, but losing this weight is so hard because our hormones are all over the place. And so what do we do? We restrict our eating and we up our exercise. Both of those things increase cortisol. That influences our insulin levels. That then influences our sugars in our bloods and, and our hormones. And it has this whole cascade of effects. And so you're no longer losing weight and you're retaining more fluid. And um, sometimes women start to gain more weight. And so if what they realize is that their first step is actually to look at the hormones and not worry about the weight and knowing that that is going to come naturally, you know, a lot of the time it'll just start to anything that's not meant for us will fall away in its own yeah. due course. 
Yeah. And if, if you're listening to this and, and that is kind of striking a chord with you, I know it's so hard to really buy into that if you haven't experienced it yourself. It's so hard for us to sort of shift that belief and move away from that obsessive Mm. sort of focus of losing weight or changing the way that we look. But I think even if we look at it from a mindset or manifestation perspective, it's like any time that you obsess over the thing or obsessing Mm. over the idea that you don't have it or that when is it going to come? When is it going to happen? I don't like the way I look, this, that, and the other thing. You're coming from a place of lack. You're coming Mm. from a really negative space. And all that does is create more stress in the body, creates more guilt, and all of these things that really influence your ability or your body's ability rather to relax Mm. and just follow the natural processes. So I love, I love that you, that you've brought that up and we didn't even get a chance to talk about human design, but because I know (laughs) that's a whole other thing that we could like go into. But if you guys have never heard of human design, it's a a type of personality test, but it's based, it's kind of like uh, linked a little bit with astrology in the sense that it's based on the time and Mm. place and everything of your birth. If you were to look at a natal chart, it's like a a master system. So it's got like the chakra system, astrology, the I Ching, um, the tree of life, Kabbalah. Like it's, it's like so many things, but yeah, you input your birth data, birth time, date and location, and it, it generates your chart. And then, I mean, there's so much juiciness in that. Have you, have you looked at your chart? Yeah, so I'm a manifesting generator. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to have you guess. I didn't want to put you on the spot. Yeah. yeah. No. It's it so fits. I mean, so mm-hmm. if you guys have, haven't looked into that, um, it's really cool. And you can, there's free tests online. It's just like, I mean, all of my clients know I'm obsessed with personality tests. I have mm-hmm. them take four different personality tests inside <laughs> of my course because yeah. any like the deeper that you can go into yeah. understanding your makeup and who you are and how you work is so, so powerful. And I love that you are able to take this human design element because there is a lot of information about the body yeah. in there, the, the mm. deeper that you go. And I mm. love that you're able to take that sort of aspect and implement that into your nutrition practice, yeah. which I think is um, would be really special for a lot of women mm. who are into that sort of like spiritual side of things and and understanding the the natural makeup of who they are and how they're built and working that into their, their nutrition to help yeah. heal their body. Yeah. Cause it's, it's amazing what you can gain from that. And even for me, just to, even if it's not communicated, I'm always like, do you know what time you were born? <laughs> like look up their charts and I'm like, get an idea. And you know, one thing in human design is like our authority, which is like our decision-making processes. So I'm not sure if you know what yours is, but mine is emotional. And so I do have this tendency to make emotional decisions around food. And, you know, with the emotional authority, it's really about waiting out that that wave. And like, you know, if I'm like, oh, I feel like this, I kind of allow myself a minute to go, do I actually feel like this? Or like, is this coming from a different place and feel into that? So um, yeah, and it helps me kind of guide clients on their journey as well in like I guess understanding themselves a little bit more and to tune into their body in in their own way. Yeah. I mean, self-awareness of any kind Mm. is so, so powerful and helping us become better, healthier versions of of ourselves. So Mm. I I love that you kind of like join those two worlds in Mm. in your practice. I think that's something really unique to you and and it's Mm. really cool. And I think there's a lot of people that are looking for that, right? Especially 
when they want to seek help with nutrition or holistic healing, you know, they want someone that they're going to vibe with, mesh with, who's interested in this sort of things that they are, that has the experience of, look, I've been through this. Mm. I know how, I know how much it sucks to have the hormonal acne or to deal with the PCOS or to have the cramping and the bloating and all these things. So I love that your practice was really born out of the things that you struggled with yourself and you taking that, um, that responsibility of like, this is my body and I know something's wrong. So I'm going to figure out how to fix it. Mm. And, and you've done that time and time again, like you said, you know, (laughs) you went through all of the PCOS stuff and then you did the stool test just to be like, well, we'll see what happens. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I have this major gut imbalance. All right, let's work through that. You know, you're doing this 28 day test of your hormones. Like Mm. you truly are the guinea pig and the example for everything that you do with your clients, which I think is so beautiful and important. And it just brings so much more authenticity to what you do and what you're able to to share with everyone that you work with and who learns from you. So I know everybody in the audience would be absolutely blessed to be able to get more of your knowledge and and work with you one-on-one. So tell us, I've, I've shared your Instagram if you guys want to check her out, it's Annalise.Madrell on Instagram, and her website is goingbear.com. But give us a little snapshot of how people can really work with you or what your programs are. Yeah, sure. Thank you, first and foremost. That's so lovely to hear. Um, yeah, I guess the way that I'm working with people at the moment is, of course, in that traditional style of um, nutrition consultation, um, one-on-one or in programs that are you know focused around gut health or hormone health so I have the reclaim your flow program and the reclaim your gut program which is kind of specifically designed for those two key areas um, especially if you feel like there's significant indication that there's something wrong Um, and then I guess I have more affordable approaches because I know healthcare can be really expensive um, but of course a worthwhile investment so I have the ebook a guide to reversing PCOS which um is yeah like you said it's pretty juicy I think it was like 30 pages on like word but you know translated to like however many in Canva <laughs> when you finally yeah. like make it beautiful no, it's, it's juicy it's um, beautiful. yeah thank you so that really is like I really wanted that to be something that young women who were really driven to um, self-inform and go through the process and have all of the tools there um, to help themselves when they maybe couldn't afford to work one-on-one with a practitioner um and then I have my hub the hub membership so it kind of houses all of my knowledge and resources and it's like an ever-growing base of information um you know both in education via workshops and um in practical guides in like how to do that food and symptom diary review and and breaking down the process of that and um the ebooks included in the membership as well and that's $69 a month for a six-month commitment because you know you need time. It's kind of like an all access pass. Pretty much. Yeah. And then I kind of put a little feeler out there on socials and I was like, who actually likes self-paced versus like support? And I actually got the feedback that people prefer support. So I've coupled um, like guidance consultations with that membership, um, which is the Hub X consult program. So that way you get access to me once or twice a month, depending on what you need. Um, and we can check in and I can keep you accountable and just support you if you need the support, but it's in a much more relaxed sort of setting. So that's yeah. kind of the main ways. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. And I find too, yeah, my clients definitely 
they really love the the one-on-one aspect. It's so nice to to have that connection. So mm-hmm. I love that you kind of combine that with that sort of all access pass of the hub. Yeah. And then you also get access to Annalise and be able to, you know, share all the things that you're learning and what the indicators that you're coming up with or that you think might be triggers for you and, and get that expert advice from her in there as well. So if you guys have experienced any of the the symptoms or things that we've talked about today, Annalise is your girl. <laughs> she will take really <laughs> good you. care of you. She is absolutely the sweetest and so kind and so genuine. And her business is 100% heart-centered. So she's someone that I definitely trust. And if you guys need anything at all or a consult of any kind, feel free don't be afraid. Reach out to her. She's super easy. What's the best way for people to get in contact you through Instagram, email? Yeah, maybe just, you know, slide into the, the old DMs, say hello. Slide into the DMs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you guys feel most comfortable with. I feel like everyone's on the Instagram having the conversations there. So that works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now, you know, slide into her DMs. Well, <laughs> thank you so much, Annalise, for coming on the show. It has been such a pleasure. I'm. You've shared so much knowledge with not only me and helped me in so many ways in my personal life, but with everybody today listening, I know that the listeners have taken away some really important understandings about their body and how to listen to those cues. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you're excited for more great episodes coming out soon, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when new episodes drop. And while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review as it really supports the show. And as always, take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast, an episode that you really loved, and share it to your Instagram stories because it helps me reach more hearts and more headphones. Thank you guys so much, and we'll catch you next week.